0: Good morning. I wish I could say it's good to see you, but I imagine you, and that's pretty good, because it's a a sweet memory. I want to remind us this morning that as we near the end of what I have to say to us uh, from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper, Communion the Eucharist. And I think it's appropriate because Eucharisteo has a lot to do with thanksgiving. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. In fact, it's the key word in what Paul has to say to us, even as he spoke to the Philippians through the medium of his letter and encouraged them to turn to the Lord to bring it to the Lord with thanksgiving let's read it together I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul's telling us, as citizens, bring it to the Lord and bring it with thanksgiving. He says, be anxious. For nothing. Not one thing. Do you have a nagging concern? Is there a care weighing on your heart? That's included when he says, let nothing cause you anxiety. Let nothing cause you care. And to get to that point in our lives, we need to log some prayer time. We need to Not only log prayer time, time in bringing the things of our life, the things that we face, the things that concern us, the things that discourage us, defeat us, disappoint us, that cause us ultimately, and in every case, to quit walking with the Lord, to quit following The Lord. And when that happens, we don't see God at work in our life, or even as uh, we've been singing this morning, we don't recognize His presence or appreciate His power. So we need to log some prayer time and watch Him answer and meet. Our deepest needs. Then we grow stronger, and instead of the last thing we do, it's the first thing we do. And as Paul would say, it's the thing that we don't do occasionally or sadly rarely, but we do it continually. And we're increasingly mindful that the Lord is near. In fact, the previous verse ends with those encouraging words, the Lord is near. So be anxious for nothing. Not one thing or anything he says, but notice also that here he then turns it around and he says, in everything. So be anxious for nothing, but in everything give thanks. Bring it to the Lord In everything with thanksgiving, and that is the key word. In that word, thanksgiving, we're told that there is never a reason to shrink from the Lord, to fear approaching the Lord. In that word, thanksgiving, we're encouraged to approach him to bring it to the Lord under all circumstances. Not only circumstances, but in all conditions of our heart. If we are in shame or fear or anger, realizing we're turning to a God that warrants and deserves thanksgiving. I mean, why does someone deserve thanksgiving? Anyone who who is an object of thanksgiving, is a source of delight. And God is a source of our delight. In fact, here we're reminded when we see this key word, thanksgiving, we're reminded that we have every reason to trust, hope, and rest in the Lord. In the Lord who deserves our thanksgiving. For there's trust in giving thanks to the Lord, and there's hope in giving thanks to the Lord, and there is rest in giving thanks to the Lord. As I said in verse 6, there's trust implied. It does remind me of Hebrews chapter eleven one, and verse six. I remember as a a very green, young, inexperienced, even ignorant, new follower, believer in Jesus Christ. How I, after this kind of honeymoon, where man, I, I my feet hardly touched the earth but then i entered into a period and i'm not saying that this is the rhythm for every person but it was my experience and it was a it was a horrible experience i went through a valley a very dry one of doubt and discouragement i felt like god was so far away and i even wondered if the if that sense of being acceptable Acceptable to God, to being loved by Him, was any longer true for me. Verse 1 of Hebrews was the beginning of a return to a proper kind of uh, uh, stance and relationship and closeness to the Lord. For it is there that we're told that faith is the assurance, the conviction of things hoped for and things unseen. I remember when I was introduced uh, and kind of brought to that place of, of commitment where I truly turned my life over to the Lord, uh, there was a little pamphlet. And in the, in the back of that pamphlet, was a diagram that helped me to understand this work of faith, this life of faith. And it showed a steam engine, the, the engine itself, with a coal car and a, caboose, and a caboose bringing up the rear. And it said that the engine signified the trustworthiness of God and His Word. And the coal car represented the faith that we put in that we shovel into that we invest in the engine the trustworthiness of God and his word and the caboose symbolized our feelings so often we try to pull that train by our feelings How I feel kind of determines how I think about God. And if I feel like I'm a long way from God or I feel shame or fear or anger or any of the range of our emotions as human beings, we we can really feel a long way off from the Lord, feel unworthy, feel like he doesn't care. And that can be especially true in the conditions that we find ourselves, in the middle of a pandemic, and in the middle of our country's crisis, really a crisis of love for everyone. At least that's how I see it, as a follower of Christ, because as worthless and meaningless as I felt at the time that my life didn't matter, I was told that my life mattered to Jesus Christ, and that changed everything for me. As I took that to heart, as I believed that, because I believed God in Jesus Christ and through His Word was trustworthy, dependable, I could believe in what I was revealed to, or. What he revealed to me in Jesus Christ. And so it is, it's so important that we are able to express our faith and trust the trustworthiness of God and his word, even when we can't see the outcome that we desire, or we're fearful of the way things are uh, happening around us, which we see and feel so deeply. It's very important. And then verse 6, verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11 says, it's impossible to please him if we do not believe he exists. And sometimes when we see the world around us, it does raise questions in our mind. God, are you still in the middle of this? Or even near to me and in my life? So these things are put in proper order, and actually we express our confidence in what God tells us, in his trustworthiness, when we express our thanksgiving. And by the way, thanksgiving, when you practice it, it opens us to what God is doing, to seeing the good that is happening around us. This last week, was a really pressure-packed week for me. Seems like uh, all the weeks have been pretty pressure-packed. And if you're like me, maybe at this stage, you really feel the the fatigue in your bones. You're ready to somehow recover uh, from the pressures, even the stresses, of sheltering in place and this new normal. Well, this week I was feeling the squeeze and I, I'm, I'm preparing to speak to you as I am now on Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Don't be anxious about anything. But with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, bring it. Bring it all. Bring everything to the Lord with thanksgiving. So many times, and I, I could tell you stories, but I'll bet you have your own, So many times I diagnose a situation. It may be, uh, you know, some implement. It's not running right or I can't get it to go on and I diagnose it thoroughly. I check the instructions. I give it the full once over and and then only after I'm puzzled and I'm scratching my head that I see it's not plugged in. And sometimes that's the way I feel in my life, you know? We can be doing all the right things, time management, usefulness, keeping our schedule, applying ourselves diligently, but we're not plugged in. We're not living by faith. To respond to Jesus, sometimes we know all about him. We know just how he's moving. We can see the way he would be conducting himself and living in these very circumstances, but we're not responding to him. We're just observing him. We're watching him. We're admiring him, but we're not responding to him. And this week, in the midst of it, Jesus, I heard him saying, bring it to me, John. Bring it to me with thanksgiving. How human we are, aren't we? I mean... This is, this, I'm not unveiling some huge secret here. This is, this is a weekly thing. This is a daily thing. If you're not realizing that you're not living in the power of Jesus Christ and craving to be there or responding to his invitation to walk by faith and live by faith, wow, we're drifting. And Jesus is getting kind of smaller and smaller as we move further and further away. And sometimes we can become quite comfortable seeing him over there, just so long as we can keep him somewhere in the horizon of our lives. But otherwise, we live in a very human way. And we follow others. We're disciples of others. We're not trusting in him. And when we give him thanks, we are expressing trust. We are assuming a disposition of trust. We are moving toward him in trust when we're giving him thanks, when we're bringing it to him with thanksgiving. And there's not only trust, but there's hope. Remember that expression? Uh, it's it's, It's not something that is trending anymore. (laughs) But we used to say, uh, hey, think outside the box. Think outside the box. Giving thanks. When we give thanks, we think outside the box. So often with the concerns of life, the things that are fitful, the things that nag us, that Tend to kind of take over our thoughts and command our attention. That puts us in the box. And we can't think outside the box because the things that are weighty and in focus and that command our attention, that's the box. And we're in there. That is our box. But when we give thanks... Hope enters in, you see, and we begin to look beyond the box. It gives us the ability to see God at work when before everything is just right in front of our eyes and it blocks out our vision, our ability to see God at work at all. It helps us to imagine His answers to our prayers that are broader and brighter than the scope of what we are focused on. And if we're imprisoned in the small confines of our anxieties, giving thanks helps us to realize God can answer our prayers in far bigger and better ways than our prayers can advise God to follow. In answering our needs. Yeah, sometimes our prayers are actually God, uh, here's my advice. Please do this for me. But our advice is sometimes too small, and we need to look beyond the box and see God at work. That brings hope. When we are able to lift our gaze, lift our sights, and open our hearts to possibilities that we can't imagine, because we're focused on the things that have interrupted our plans and taken our attention hostage. And then in verse 7, there's rest. You see, there's not only trust in giving thanks and not only hope in giving thanks, but there's rest. Back in 1967, I had to look it up. I I don't remember uh, years that well, but I do remember a song. There's a kind of hush was the title of it. But the phrase was, there's a kind of hush all over the world sung by Herman's Hermits back in 1967. I never really knew what the song was about. I did check out the lyrics. You know, it's about boy-girl love. But that expression, there's a kind of hush all over the world. That's what comes to mind when the peace of God settles in our hearts. You know, unfortunately, that is our whole world. The, other, the rest of the world doesn't exist. Or it takes a back seat to what's going on in our hearts. Our heart is the whole world, unfortunately, unless we put our eyes on Jesus. Unless we approach him with thanksgiving. Unless we bring it to him. So often, we have all this information in our heads... We love this verse. Oh, you know, John, thanks for speaking to us on a Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I just love those words. They always encourage me. And then we set them down and we run off and we pray to our nearest friends about our real problems. Or we pray to Facebook or Instagram, Twitter. Oh, yeah, I know, that's not praying we're doing the same thing. We're talking to them about our needs, our problems. We're whining to them. We're protesting to them. If you've ever read the Psalms in the Old Testament, you realize that the psalmists did all those things before the Lord and unto him. And that's where they found their rest in the midst of a storm of circumstances. So many that were greater than we can imagine. Bring it to the Lord with thanksgiving and find rest. Find rest. Paul tells us in verse 7, and the Philippians would certainly know this as citizens of Rome, as a colony of Rome, As a city that was established by Marcus Antony and then by the first emperor of Rome, Octavian, later known as Augustus Caesar. And those soldiers, there was a garrison in that city. And that would come to mind because Paul uses the same expression. I mean, how would you like to have the might of Rome and the the representation of a garrison of Roman soldiers in your city, keeping the peace? Paul says, the peace of God stations a garrison over your heart. The Lord Jesus Christ, the true Prince of Peace. Jesus is saying to us, I'll take care of it. Will you trust me? Will you hope in me? Of all the things that you invest your hope in, put your hope in, hope for, would you hope in me? And would you then find your rest in me? Let's visualize that privilege that we have as citizens when we bring it to the Lord with thanksgiving. Bring it to the Lord with thanksgiving and love your way through it if you're current with what is reported across the news, we need to be praying. And we need to be praying without ceasing. Let's pray for our country. A lot of people would belittle prayer as though it's a waste of time. I don't think it needs to take place of the other things that call your heart But it needs to be central. And one of the first things, have you been praying for our country? Have you been praying for the needs of the people of our country? And praying not just for a return to normal, but for a return to the Lord in authentic recognition of our sinful nature and our need For individual repentance and healing. Jesus' love for us brought him death. But our love for him brings us life. And it begins with repentance. It begins with turning to him. It begins with bringing it to him and finding in him the resources that we need to be the people that represent his name, his resurrection life, his distinct people, his nation, his new nation. Truly, it's through God's love that broken hearts are healed. Given the scale of what we are seeing across our country, it may seem kind of dreamy and simplistic or out of touch to speak of love at a time like this, when we're surrounded by a pandemic and confronted by racial despair and resentment against their enormity, love may seem a measly response, but that, that's what changed me. That's the power that overcame the pandemic, the racial despair and resentment, and every other nagging problem in my life. God's love in Jesus Christ for me is the only salvation I know. Isn't that true for you? No amount of lawmaking, no amount of legislation will change or heal the broken heart. No amount of policing or social engineering will root out the hatred of our neighbor and replace it with humility that looks not only up to others rather than down upon them, but looks up to God rather than away from him or beyond him. Only the love of God can do that. Only the love of God calls us to walk with God in the path and power of his spirit, to live thereby in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. Such good is what we need now. Such good no law can create. Such good no law can prohibit. For God's love is a law unto itself. God's love is just. God's love is the expression of His righteousness. It is the power of His righteousness. It is the staff of his righteousness. It is the heart of his righteousness. And his righteousness looks beyond the law. It is filled with his grace. That's why it's love. Where God's love, there is power. And where there is his power... It prevails over the evils that grow wild in the human heart. The prayer of a broken heart healed by the love of God may appear to be a measly thing compared to the enormity of what is raging around us. Much of it roaring and oh so newsworthy and much of it simmering and entirely unseen, but it is not measly to place our lives in the hands of God and find there the healing of his love and the power of his love to actually become the change that we need to see in this world. The change that we need to see taking place in us, it begins in the heart. And then we'll begin to see it take place in this land. But don't grow discouraged. If you're the only one, because that's who we are, we are ready to stand alone with Christ to follow him, though no one join me, yet will I follow. For it is in the heart that true conversion and true social change will take place if any hate turned to love is to authentically occur. All the problems, all the crimes, all the injustices we see glaring at us in footage across the social media, are the sick fruit of seeds rooted in our hearts. Don't let the scale of what we see, what we see out there, what we see in others, What we see beyond ourselves. Do not let that fool us or deceive us into thinking that the problem is not in our own heart. For if Jesus is not the Lord there, he is not the Lord of us. What I am stating about our hearts is right out of the Bible. And it is writ large across the pages from beginning to end of that Bible. If we fail to start with ourselves, any finger pointing or fixing of others that we wish to do is just a shuffling, a reorganizing, a reclassification of sin. And we are the ones doing it. We are appointing ourselves as judges, donning the black robe, taking our seat on the judge's bench. And I hear James, the brother of Jesus, in my ear. I hear him saying, There is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and destroy... Who then are you to judge your neighbor? What can we do? What are we to do? We can and we are called to humble ourselves. To renounce our privileges. Just as Jesus did. In this very letter, the second chapter, he is held up for us to imitate, for the image of him humbling himself for our sakes, becoming poor for our sakes, saying lives, black lives matter for our sakes, We are to imitate him. Because only Jesus, in humbling himself to meet us in the depths of our heartache, of our need, only Jesus humbled himself in order to love us as we needed to be loved. In order to save us. And so love us. We can and we are called to love others through that spirit that he has poured out on us at Pentecost. That very power of our resurrected victor. And therefore we are able in that power to love well in his power. To love the person before us. The person next to us. The person that God puts before us. That God ordains for us to meet. To love in his name. That you and I should love with the love he loves you and he loves me. That in doing something that counts. Loving others. We might do something that matters. That is something that matters. Loving those in front of us, beside us, and about us. That love matters. That is love that does justice. That is love that is righteous. That love matters. That love brings real change, whether it changes the one that you love, for Christ's sake, or whether it changes the one that I love, for Christ's sake. No one can answer, but I can answer definitively and without doubt that this is true. That your investment of love in another and my investment of love in another, for Christ's sake, that love, that love we put into the very hands of God, is the safest investment of our time and life that we can make. And I can tell you this as well. It may not change that person, although... That person and that love is in God's hands, but I guarantee it will change you, and it will change me. And that's the most important change that you and I can make. I hope reflecting on the love right now that God has for us in Jesus Christ To bring it to him with thanksgiving. To live our lives in the power of his love. Is something that we can consecrate with thanksgiving. As we prepare to thank him. As we are to remember. For what he has done. In giving his life. For you and for me. And in the shedding of his blood and the outpouring of his life, he sealed a new covenant. A new covenant written in his blood. And that's what we observe now. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. He blessed it and broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. This gift take indeed. After supper, the cup also, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. How beautiful is this new relationship that we belong to through your new covenant in Jesus Christ. All of you drink it. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God bless you. He has blessed us. We are rich in Christ. Let's rejoice throughout this week. Let's bring it to the Lord with thanksgiving Let's love our way through it, whatever it is, trusting him, hoping in him, and resting in him. We love you. You know what's coming. Air hug, elbow bump, fist bump, and we love you.